Before I start, one thing I'm learning is that, learn a lot, but one thing I'm learning is that whew, when you have children and ministry, you always think about how they feel in regards to sharing their mother and their father with a congregation. And it can be difficult sometimes because, you know, children require a lot of time. And for them to understand that, okay, I'm your mother, but at the same time, I'm the spiritual mother of a community, that's sometimes hard for children to grasp, especially when your time is limited. And you need time to study, you need time to pray, you need time to fast. So, you know, children often are neglected, especially when you've been called to ministry. And it'd be like one of those things that say, you know, them pastor kids, they'd be like the worst kids. It'd be like that sometimes because the pastors and the first lady, they spend so much time pouring into other people and other people's children that their children often get neglected. And I was thinking about that, and at the same time, it kind of it kind of hurt at the same time. But one thing that Father is showing me in that, because what actually he brought to mind was um, T.D. Jake's daughter with Sarah and the whole thing behind her getting pregnant at a young age and how that looked to not only to the congregation, but how that looked to the community with them being figures for the public eye and how that particular situation, how it it started real bad, but then how God just turned that whole situation around for good and how now that's a platform for her. Then when she speaks, for other young women that was that was in her similar situation. And I thought about that as he brought that back to mind to me. And a lot of times I pray for my own children in regards to situations like that. But the father definitely reminded me and he spoke a word to me that really settled my spirit in regards to that. He said there is no way in the world that you can be called to do something and literally pour your life out to other people and to other people's children and that I would even allow for your children to be neglected. There is an, a large a large amount of favor that is poured out on the, the children of those that pour into other people. And I was thinking about that because there's been certain situations that, you know, kids, they do kind of crazy stuff when they're young. They don't know no better. And I was just thinking about just different little small situations that my, my, my personal children have been in and how, you know, either, you know, we had to do a phone call to a teacher or we had to go up to the school to explain something and how either when we went to the school or did the phone call or did the conference, how when we literally caught that how we literally talked to that person on the phone or went in to speak to an administrator is is as if the situation was already fixed before we got there. And so it's 
He's reminding me, like, look, I know they're your kids. I gave them to you. <laughs> they my kids first. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, I get what you're doing with, you know, praying for your kids, and that's what you're supposed to do, but I got them covered because they belong to me first. So that's, I just wanted to um, share that because, you know, as we grow, you know, in the different waves of people start coming in, then, you know, those that do have children, those that will have children, it's one of those things that time will be taken away from your own children. And so just to keep that in mind that there's no way that you can pour into that many people and then the father forget about your own children. There's no way. Now, there might be some turbulence <laughs> that might get you to your knees in a couple situations, but I'm telling you, he will not forget about them at all. So, let's, let's get into this, because I know there's a lot of people that um, drive a long way here. So, we definitely want to get you back home, and I know the kids have school tomorrow as well, so let's get things started. Okay, so it's been a while. I know, right? <laughs> it's definitely been a while. So where we had left off, we were talking about different types of dreams that people may have. And I was going over just um, a list, not definitely not its entirety, of different types of dreams. For instance, we went over like the Valley of Decision dreams. We went over nightmares, intercession dreams. Um, we went over cleansing dreams. There's a lot of things that we went over. So before we kind of segue into the most common dreams that people have and the breakdown of how that looks, we have to pretty much finish the last part of that because we went over the different types of dreams, but this is also the dreams and vision series. So we have to go over different types of visions first. Now, I saved this one for the last, the ending of this one. I saved it for visions because there's tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of different types of dreams. Like I say, I didn't go over it in its entirety. But there really is only three types of visions. There's only three types of visions, and that's why I saved that for last. We'll be going over tonight open visions. We'll be going over inner visions, and we'll be going over trances. So let's start with the first one, which is the actually the easier of the three, which is open visions. Let's see. Now, now, before I like officially start, I have actually a good amount of slides um, as far as notes and different things on here, so you guys can get like a really good understanding. Because this really is the point of doing this. Because when we actually get into the actual interpretation part, where we're actually going to be sitting, bringing your dreams in, we're going to actually be interpreting that part. We just want to make sure that we are going over everything possibly that we can before we get to that point. Because we can't interpret anything without having a correct foundation. So. I put a lot of notes up here, and in the end, actually, of this series, I'm going to give you guys, like, it's not going to be too thick, but a pretty, you know, certain kind of thick uh, handout um, of the things that actually that I've taught over, because I know it's a lot, <laughs> so so you can have something to reference from. 
So, number one, open visions. Now, open visions occur when a person, number one, is awake. This is the more simplest one. And these are the images that we see actually with our natural eyes. Okay, we're fully woke, we're not asleep, we're seeing these images with our natural eyes. Our eyes are open, we see a vision, okay? Now, when it comes to open visions, they are used to communicate three things when you have an open vision. Number one is used to communicate your calling or your destiny in regards to ministry. Number two, you can have an open vision um, as a personal or a corporate prophetic word that's given to you. And then number three, you can have a vision as a personal, personal directions or instructions that the Father will give you. So we'll be going over all three of those in regards to open vision. So number one, which is your calling or destiny regarding ministry. Now, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Father used open visions to call individuals into their ministry. So, the first example that we're going to have, how many examples? Two examples of this in scripture. The first example is Ezekiel. Ezekiel, let's see, I got one through, did I got three? Yeah, one through three. Now, the kind of the backdrop a little bit of this is that Ezekiel received an open vision when the father actually was calling, Ezekiel actually was a priest first. So the father was calling him from priesthood into becoming a prophet. In order to affirm that Israel's future was bright and that he had not forsaken them. So we're going to read verse 1 through 3. And it says, on July the 31st of my 13th year, while I was with the Judean exiles beside Kabar River in Babylon, the heavens were open. And I saw visions of God. This happened during the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity. The Lord gave this message to Ezekiel's son of Buzi, a priest beside the Kabar River in the land of the Babylonians. And he felt the hand of the Lord take hold of him. Okay, now he's he's literally having an open vision during this period of time because Israel was like I say doing so bad during this time that they really thought that that God was pretty much going to take them out but he came through Ezekiel to and gave him an open vision to let him know look no I have not forsaken them I'm disappointed in them but I definitely not have forsaken them our second example is Isaiah now, Isaiah received an open vision when the father called him, and a vision was given to him to see the throne room of heaven. Okay? Now, we're going to read Isaiah 6. Do I have Isaiah 6 and 1? Yes, yeah, 6, 1 through 3. And it was in the year of King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So basically, he was letting him see that no matter who is king in the earth, they will pass away. And that he will always be on the throne, ruling and controlling everything. So he was allowing him to see this. 
So verse two says, attending him were mighty seraphims, each having six wings with two wings. They covered their faces with two. They covered their feet and with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. So that led me into thinking about, this is kind of crazy. I'm going to kind of shorten it up because I don't want to get too long. But it led me into when uh, Kirby had a dream um, about Shanika in this ministry. And it was so crazy because when he told me the dream, literally as he's speaking to me about the dream, and it was actually concerning this ministry as far as, um, the father would have us to do international ministry. As he's speaking, I literally had an open vision. And in that vision, I saw a blueprint, a literally a blueprint as he was speaking. That was, it was as if the words that he was speaking was so much truth to it that the father was confirming, yes, I will do this. And I want you to see how I'm going to do it by giving us the blueprints to it. And it was kind of crazy because I'm like, okay, Father, how in the world? And not only that, I had literally had about three or four dreams just sporadically about the international ministry. So it was just another confirmation that, okay, we're definitely going to be doing this in the future. And so really it was just a confirmation for me from um, the Father saying that, yes, I've definitely called you guys to do international ministry. Um, and one thing that I know... It's so crazy because I'm like, Father, how in the world you're going to be giving us visions about international ministry? And we're trying to do ministry right here. We're trying to get this down first. But that's how the Father is. Like, you know, he's the whole fivefold ministry in one. So that was a prophetic word that he was bringing forth to us. He was allowing us to see the future that it will actually come to pass. So the next one is concerning open visions is that a lot of times when you have an open vision is for a personal or corporate prophetic word that he will give you. Now, this happened frequently to prophets where the father would give them an open vision or receive a prophetic word for the body of Christ, okay? Now, the example that we're going to look at is Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1, 11 through 14. Now, in this particular scripture here, Jeremiah receives an open vision through a prophetic word for his people. But first, the father had to train Jeremiah to see. And so that's the first order of service that he was doing to Jeremiah. He was allowing him to see an open vision, but he was allowing him to see this open vision in order to train his eyes to see as a prophet before he spoke. So the eyes had to be trained before he spoke. So let's look at Jeremiah 1, 11 through 14. And it says, then the Lord said to me, look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I replied, I see a branch from an almond tree. And the Lord said, that's right. And it means that I am watching. And I will certainly carry out all my plans. 
Then the Lord spoke to me again and asked, what do you see now? And I replied, I see a pot of boiling water spilling from the north. Yes, the Lord said, for terror from the north will boil out on the people on this land. Now, the significance of when he had the open vision and he asked him what he seen the first time, he said he seen an almond tree. Now, the almond tree was significant for two reasons. First, the almond tree is well known as the first tree that actually buds in the spring. Okay, so this indicated that God was ready to quickly fulfill his word. And that's basically what he was telling him in this open vision. Just as the almond tree seems to bud first and to fulfill that calling that it would bud first in the spring. He was affirming that by letting him see the almond tree and saying, look, I will, I'm watching and I will carry out all of my plans. Just as the almond tree is predestined to carry out its plan by budding in the spring first. Then second, the Hebrew word for almond tree is close to and derived from the Hebrew word, what actually means watchful. And so actually when you convert actually the word almond tree in Hebrew, it actually means watchful. And so that's another connotation, the reason why he actually used the almond tree because he was letting them know I'm watching. I love words, whether it's in the Greek or the Hebrew or, you know, it's in any other language because it's so much more expressive than the English language. One word can mean like 20, have 20 different meanings. It's, it's, it's definitely a more expressive language than um, the English language. And that's why, like I say, you have to be careful when you do break down words in the Bible that you do not just use the dictionary because a lot of the context of the word is lost when you use the dictionary. Now, the second thing about the idea of the boiling water. Now, you remember he said, he asked him a second time. He said, what do you see? He said, I see a pot of boiling water. You know the image of a pot of a boiling water. It just spills over everything. So he was just letting him know that with this open vision of the boiling water, it was a picture of how destruction and judgment will come pouring out upon Judah from the north. And so this, you can see how when you have visions, how that the natural things can kind of, you know, interpret spiritual things. But you got to know what the natural things um, literally are in order to kind of translate it over. And so that's also what we'll be doing when we actually break the dreams down. We'll look at the natural connotation, then we'll flip it over to spiritual connotation so you can get a better understanding. Let's see. So the last one here for open visions and that the father will give you open visions for personal directions and instructions and in open visions. Now, rather to speak to us through the inner voice of the spirit, the father will use an open vision to give us directions and instructions while co-laboring with him. Okay. So now we're going to look at an example of this in Acts 9. 10 through 12. And in this, we're going to be looking at Ananias. Okay, so now when God um, wanted Ananias to go see Saul, 
He used an open vision to do what? To give him directions and to give him instructions. So verse 10 says, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him in a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. Now, there's definitely more to this than what we're talking about. Now, one of the things that I want to bring out in this particular scripture is that you can always count on the fact that when the father either shows you something or tells you to do something, whether it's to lay hands on somebody or to call somebody, say, you know what? That person popped up in my mind. You know, I, you know, I guess I need to call them. You could always, 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 always 100% know that the father already told that person. And so that's what goes on a lot of time in people's mind. They're like, should you know, I don't want to do it because they look mean. I don't want to do it because how they're going to receive me. Look, the father already worked on that end. Because if he told you to do it, that means they're ready to, they're ready already to receive it. Either they know the father already been speaking to them. They already been going through. They need the actual word of encouragement. It's going, he's the reason why he told you to do it. He just wants you to do it. That's how faith operates. You don't know how it's going to happen. And that's also how prophecy operates. Because a lot of times when I receive a prophetic word, I don't know what's going on in people's life. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what they're going through. But one thing I can be assured of that when I prophesy to a person is that, look, he's the one who told me I'm a vessel. Okay? It's just coming through me. So if I heard correctly... Then when I give it to you, it's all, it's going to hit your heart. I don't look at like the person, the outer person when I prophesy to a person. I don't look at, you know, how their expression on their face. I don't look at how they're dressed. All I see is that your father wants to tell you something. <laughs> this is the father's kids. The father has you in mind. The father wants to reveal his heart to you. That's all I see. And that's that's where I keep the posture of my heart. Now, going into trances. Now, trances are not often talked about, but the crazy part about it is that the occult (laughs) knows about trances a whole lot, and then the body of Christ don't know enough about trances. (laughs) So we got to change that. (laughs) Now, trances. This is probably one of my favorite to talk about. It's trances, probably because it's the whole psychological thing that be going on, and I like psychology. So even though trances, um, people are not familiar with it, we're going to go, because I was trying to present this in a way where you actually can know what I'm talking about without going into the whole psychological concepts and stuff like that. So try to break it down more, um, more elementary um, so we can actually see what it's all about. Now, trances are a state of partly suspended animation. Or an inability to function. Usually when someone is in a trance, they are unable to move. They are unable to speak. So what happens is that the spirit comes upon the person and infiltrates their thoughts, their mind, their conscious mind, and then gives them a vision. 
So it's different than a dream because when you're in a trance, it's immediate. It's immediately. There are no sleep cycles <laughs> that you go through in order to reach REM sleep. You are automatically in REM sleep within a couple of minutes. So an example of how this looks, that's how a lot of times, you know, when, for instance, you'll be praying, you'll be praying, you'll be praying, you'll be praying, and just kind of all of a sudden you get just tired and just you immediately fall asleep. And then you'll see something. You'll have a, you'll have either a vision, you'll have a dream, and then all of a sudden, like, it seemed like you've been asleep for hours. But you wake up and it's only been like five, ten minutes. That's because you were in a trance. And usually during when you're in a trance, it's one of those kind of situations where he needs your attention right now. It's an immediate thing. He can't wait till you go to sleep to give you a dream. <laughs> because it's, it's an emergency. So the first thing we're going to, uh, example we're going to look at in regards to this is uh, Balaam. And this comes in Numbers 24, 2 through 4. 24, 2 through 4. Now, this is kind of crazy. Now, Balaam tried to curse Israel. He tried to curse them. But the father stopped him. As the spirit came upon him, he fell into a trance and he saw a vision that caused him to bless them instead of curse them. So let's read verse, I think I have verse 1. Verse 1, let's just say 1, Numbers 24, 1 through 4. And it says, And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not as at other times to seek for enchantments. Let me stop right there. Now, it's been, have been several, several, several different times that Balaam, he went to seek wisdom from enchantments, meaning divinations and sorcery and witchcraft. That's where he was getting his wisdom from. And so where it says he went not as at other times to seek for enchantments because the revelation that had been dropped on him from the Lord that he did not want his people cursed, but he wanted them to be blessed. So he actually stopped seeking the wisdom of divinations and sorcery and witchcraft. And he began to seek the Lord. And it says, but he set his face toward the wilderness and Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he took up his parable and said, Balaam, son of Beor, hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, he hath said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. So he was basically saying, I fell into a trance, my natural eyes closed, and my spiritual eyes open. Now, another example of this, as we often hear in Acts, is when was Peter, when he went up on the, the housetop to pray. Now, this is kind of crazy because not only was this a situation where he fell into a trance, but this also was a heart issue. 
So he used, he allowed, he allowed Peter to fall in a trance, not only to show him revelation, but he actually wanted to address a heart issue that he was having, which was concerning the Gentiles. So we're going to do Acts 10, verse 9 through 12. And it says, the next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up onto the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheets were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Now, I didn't continue because this can go pretty long. But I just wanted you to get the point of this that <laughs> it is hard to sometimes have a heart for a situation or a circumstance or people that you have not been called to pour into. And that was the situation concerning Peter because Peter was actually called to preach to the Jews. He wasn't called to preach to the Gentiles. So it became a problem for him. And so the father was correcting a situation and allowing him to fall into a trance and say, look, don't call nothing unclean. Nothing that I made is unclean. And just letting him know that I know you was called to preach to the Jews, but I love the Gentiles too. So even though you wouldn't call to preach to them, it don't mean that they're not my children. All right. Just moving on. All right, so the last concerning visions in this part are inner visions. Now, trying to get, you know, a distinction between open visions, trances, inner visions. Now, inner visions are the most common type of visions among believers in which people see a vision, and I like to say on the canvas of their mind. So the mind is the canvas, and that's how the father actually, it's like he paints on the canvas. And so you'll, you'll see an image on the canvas of your mind. And this is, you know what, this is really crazy. I was, I was reading about this and thinking about this, and I was like, oh my God, you know how the world will take something? Always they do that. They'll take something spiritual, remove God from it, and just, just make it their own. And you've seen it in music. You see it, I guess, in the Illuminati and just different uh, occult practices and stuff and on T-shirts and everything and on apparel. You'll see that triangle with the eye. And they'll call it the third eye. And that's actually a spiritual concept that they turned and made it demonic because that's actually what we call inner visions. Because that's our third eye. And so during an inner vision, images are given to the mind unexpectedly. Through the unction of the Holy Spirit, they will sometimes appear as, number one, quick flashes of images. So a lot of people, um, I think that um, Pastor Lorana at Lionheart, she has a lot of inner visions. It's one of her gifts. Um, and she sees pictures. Um, the Father talks to her in pictures and images a lot. And so in an inner vision, you'll see quick pictures, you'll see images, and this is how the Father talks to a lot of people when it comes to inner visions. And they can be very long in detail. Now, the example that I have for this is Elijah and Jehazi, 
Okay, so kind of give you a little background. Now, remember, it was Elijah that told Naaman, you know, to go dip in the Jordan and how to get clean. Right. And so um, it was Naaman who was like, you know what? Well, let me, you know, bless you. Let me bless you for, you know, doing this for me. Let me give you some money. But then Elijah was like, no, I don't want anything for it. The Lord told me to do it. You know, you, you know, just be blessed. Thank God that you're clean. I don't want anything from it. So it was Jehazi that decided that he was going to get the money, though. You, he's like, okay, you may not want the money, Elijah, but a brother like me need that money, so I'm about to go after this money. <laughs> and this is kind of crazy, though. So we're going to read Second Kings five twenty three through twenty six. Second Kings five twenty three to twenty six. It says, by all means, take twice as much silver. Naaman insisted. He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Jehazi. But when they arrived at this, what is the, the citadel, Jehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back. Then he went and hid the gifts inside the house. When he went into his master, Elijah asked him, where have you been, Jehazi? I haven't been anywhere, he replied. But Elijah asked him, don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle and male and female servants? So he thought that he can go hiding in these houses, <laughs> go hide it here and there and then come back and act like nothing ever happened. He was like, don't you know I was there? I saw you in the inner vision. The father showed me in the inner vision that you were seeing these things. So inner visions are usually accompanied by the word of knowledge. Okay. So inner visions and the word of knowledge usually go hand in hand because a lot of times when the father gives you an inner vision, there's usually a word of knowledge that follows right after it. Also inner visions come as a response to prayer. Intervisions comes as a response of pondering on the word. Intervisions come as a response to meditating on the word. And intervision come as a response of asking questions to the Father. And the third thing that intervisions can do is that it can move the believer into a greater understanding of the Father's plan and purpose in their individual lives. All right. We are moving right along, aren't we? All right. So we have now finished that part of the types of dreams and visions. Now we are segueing into Dreams 103. Is it dreams 103? Yep. Dreams 103. Most common types of dreams. Most common types of dreams. Now, I believe I got up there housekeeping. Do I have some? Yes. Now, before we begin, I got some housekeeping things. The first thing is a reminder that when we start going over common types of dreams, the first thing to remember is that generational 
and sociological differences impact the symbolism found in dreams. A dog might be mean something else in another culture than it might mean in this culture. Okay, so we got to keep that in mind. Second housekeeping thing is that races and ethnicities have their own cultural views about certain objects or actions in dreams which can change the interpretation of a dream. So you have to keep that in mind when you're interpreting a dream. And the last thing is that the general meaning for correct interpretation, meaning that you, we need to be in the right neighborhood. So that's what, what I'm doing right now. I'm going to put you in at least in the right neighborhood, the correct foundation before you can even start to interpret, interpret a dream or a vision correctly. So, cause we don't want to get into error when we're interpreting these things. Now, the teaching layout for the most common dreams. This is going to be the teaching layout as I start going through these things. This is going to be the layout. I'm going to tell you about the topic. I'm going to tell you the meaning. The second thing, we're going to do a natural interpretation. From that, we're going to do a spiritual interpretation. From there, we're going to talk about the context of the dream which includes questions. And last but not definitely not least is the action plan, which you need to be doing if you have this type of dream. Okay? The topic, the meaning, the natural, the spiritual, the context, the, the actual action plan. So as I begin to go these through these common dreams, now I'm only going to go through one tonight, but I have 19 other ones to go through. <laughs> right. So we're going through one tonight. Now we would have went through five tonight, but I had to do the visions. I had to close out that series that we didn't finish going through. So I'm going to start with the first one tonight. Now the first one tonight are teeth, teeth, teeth in a dream, teeth in a dream. Now, when it comes to teeth in a dream, we're talking about loose teeth, painful teeth, broken teeth, chipped teeth, or teeth falling out, which is never good in a dream. <laughs> and so, the first thing is the natural interpretation. What do we do with our teeth? We eat. What else do we do? We chew. Right. We chew our food. Okay. So in that, the food that we chew, if we translate that over, food for us spiritually is what? Exactly. So let's go to the spiritual implications or the interpretation. Spiritual interpretation. So, chewing meta metaphorically describes the process of breaking something down into smaller parts so that it can be digested, okay, or understood and used. Because we chew our food, we digest our food, and then we do what? We use it because it converts into energy, 
it converts into vitamin C, whatever type of vitamin it is, but we use it. So we chew it, we digest it, and then we use it, okay? It's the same thing with the word. We chew it, we digest it, we use it in our life, okay? So, damaged or loose teeth can also mean our ability to comprehend something is being diminished or being hindered. Okay? That's damaged or loose teeth. Now, let's look at the context. It'll come all together. I got to go piece by piece. The context, which remember I told you, includes questions. Context of the dream. Now, when a person tells you, I had this dream and... I was had these loose teeth and I was losing my teeth, blah, blah, blah. When I say context, these are some of the questions you should be asking the person. Were you looking in the mirror and watching your teeth fall out? Were you in a public place and suddenly became aware that something was wrong with your teeth? Which tooth was damaged or missing? That's important. So the first thing with were you looking in the mirror and watching your teeth fall out, it could indicate this issue, the inability to comprehend, which affects how you see yourself. Because the mirror, you're looking at yourself. Now, looking in the mirror reflects your actual value and your self-worth, okay? Indicate your value or your self-worth. Looking in the mirror, coupled with watching your teeth fall out, deals with, number one, remember the teeth part of it is the inability to comprehend or understand, which affects what you're looking in the mirror, how you see yourself. Now, remember I said, were you in a public place and suddenly became aware that something was wrong with your teeth? Now, that can, can indicate you may have even um, tried to, for instance, cover your mouth when you were in public so that nobody could know or see or you were embarrassed. This may implicate you believe the issue affects how others see you. It's a self-conscious thing. So it's one of those things that you might be doing something that's affecting your self-image but not realizing the public, the reason why you're in the public and you got your hand over your mouth and you, you're losing teeth is the fact that it's not only if your view of yourself is actually affecting others and how they see too. Last question I said, which tooth was damaged or missing? That's important. Which tooth was it? Sometimes the particular tooth or teeth affected in the dream have a specific meaning. For instance, if we're losing our front teeth, or sometimes called what? Our canines. It represents our ability to understand the things that we see. So he might be saying, you're not having it, you don't understand, and you're losing the ability to see something regarding whatever the context of the dream is, whatever else is in the dream. You're losing the ability to see actually the real, the real thing that's going on behind the scenes. If it was your wisdom teeth, 
on the other hand, it can sim- it's pretty much simply signifying our ability to apply knowledge and understanding to our life. So you heard the word, but you're failing to apply it. Because that's what wisdom is, the ability to apply what you heard and you understood. Now, I don't know if I got this up there. Do I, do I have another? Mm-mm, go back. Go back one, Tremaine. So what's after this one? Okay. Move forward. Yes, that one. Thank you. Now, these are some other things that I have up here and um, that deals with teeth as well. If you lose your teeth and you're looking in a mirror and you're just losing teeth, it means that you have lost the ability to understand the word as it relates to who he said you are in Christ. If you're in a public place and something is wrong with your teeth, like I'm saying, your issue is with how you see yourself is affecting those around you or those who the father has placed in your life as you being an influence to them. Because how you see yourself influence how people see not only you, but also how they see themselves too. Okay, so we went over that. So let's go to the action plan. Now, the action plan is what you need to do if you have this type of dream. First thing is the father gives dreams like this, number one, to help you see yourself. Number two, to give you clarity and wisdom on how you see yourself through him and how it affects others' ability to see him in you. And the third thing is to help you see how your own inability to apply his word so that you can have a better life. So you can see how these different parts and these different pieces come together in order to interpret. Now, remember, when I went into the whole housekeeping things, you got to consider culture. You got to consider the times that we're in. You got to consider the fact what, okay, what does this person or this situation mean to that person as well? So that's why you want to ask a lot of questions. Okay, and I think we will stop here tonight. Um, when we do this, when we come back and do this again, I'll be going over if you had a, um, a dream that you were falling in a dream. I'll be going over if you had a dream that you were naked in public. I'll be going over um, if you have a dream and you're in a bathroom for for some kind of odd reason. You're in the bathroom. Um, I'll be going over if you had a dream and you were taking a test. You had a dream if you were being chased. So I'll be going over those. And then, like I said, we'll get into the other things. But 
that is it tonight because I didn't want to go through too many because I, I wanted you guys to focus more on the visions part of this. But I also wanted to, like I say, kind of do a transition over into what we will be doing. So the layout that I have right here, um, as far as kind of how I did it in regards to the topic, the meaning, the natural interpretation, the spiritual interpretation, the context and the action plan. That is how we will be going through these things, every single one of them. Now, remember what I told you is that as we get closer and closer and closer and closer to actually interpreting dreams, we will be moving further and further and further and further away from the whole scripture connotation because we have already given you a foundation for that. So we're going into the more more serious things concerning dreams. Amen? Amen. All right.